Welcome to the 202030 podcast. Today we are on our fourth session and I'm really looking forward to the next episodes focusing more on the cultural pillar of sustainability and fashion. Since we've been listening to some really uh, forward thinking and critical minds and also learned about some real interesting technological innovations, I think that, and we think, culture is also a very important part in this discussion and uh, we are calling it also out as a fourth pillar of sustainability. But before we are entering our uh, new session and introducing our guest, I have a personal question to you. Max, have you ever been to South Africa? Yes, I have actually, but it was quite a weird experience, I must say. I've been visiting my, I must say, also white and Swaziland originally based host brother who lived with me in, in Germany for a year. And then many years later, I visited him um, in South Africa, in Durban, actually. And it was a very eye-opening time. Yeah, I was kind of traveling a, a bit around um, the countryside in Durban, etc., with him and his uh, brother and what shall I say? I mean, there was extremely, from my perspective, an extreme amount of racism, structural racism in embedded in, in the society. And I really felt unpleasant a lot of the times. So you could really see how that country is still stuck with so many kind of um, structures from the past, even though it is trying so powerful and strongly to go into a new future society. And I think I'm sure nowadays there's also so many positive examples. But when I was there, really it was shocking. And after that holidays, I needed another holiday. Oh, I can imagine. But I mean, racism is uh, not a topic only for South Africa. I think it's a global topic and it's uh, deeply rooted in our societies and countries as well sitting here as white European people, um, yes. not having this experience personally, but uh, I know a lot of stories from my friends and friends of friends uh, who have been in situations, very unpleasant situations, and actually also um, decided to move to other countries um, to find a better uh, life there. Being based in Berlin, uh, you would not think that is actually, uh, that it's so um, yeah, so present uh, still in year 2022. So you might be wondering why we are talking about South Africa. So um, maybe Max, you would lift this. <laughs> well, yes, um, because our next guest, Dr. Erika de Grave, um, has co-founded her African Fashion Research Institute, AFRI, um, in Cape Town in South Africa. And um, she is a fashion curator and academic and, um, as I said, the co-founder of that institute. And um, she's been looking into the colonial structures and looking into decolonizing them um, for many, many years. Also with her thesis on sectorial disruptions where she looked into South African museums and, and their fashion collections. And also during her time when she led the fashion department at the Zeitz um, MCAA, the Museum of Contemporary Art Africa in Cape Town. So yeah, she is giving us wonderful input with her talk called Notes Towards Decolonizing Fashion. And this is also why I find it extremely important, but also very interesting to listen to her. Um, because, I mean, the main question I'm actually dealing with personally is, 
how to identify like racism and these mechanisms in my life also personally for my way of talking my way of acting and interacting with other people and also like um, bring comments and also my personal views on and values uh, on cultural aspects and uh, also how to deal with it and change these mechanisms Yeah, absolutely. And I think everything starts with awareness, isn't it? So um, it's not about really knowing maybe all the solutions, but becoming aware to being able to think about a different uh, kind of approach, I think is the very best first step we can have. Absolutely. And also being aware of our self-understanding on how we uh, evaluate things and also evaluate culture. And this is also what she is actually pointing out in her speech. But let's listen to her. So in 2019, my colleague Lesiba Mabitsela and I founded the African Fashion Research Institute, or AFRI as we call it. We identified a really urgent need for a local platform that would host and showcase both groundbreaking and ordinary fashion stories from the continent and to build a home for the African Fashion Studies. So in my notes today, towards decolonizing fashion, I'll introduce three decolonial concepts that may be productive, especially for your later sessions, as we collectively consider the need for regenerative transformation to purify and diversify fashion for more socially just futures. So the Cambridge Dictionary defines regenerative as the act of something growing or being grown again, or the act of improving a place or a system. And other words such as rebuilding, restoration, rehabilitation, revival, rebirth, renewal, redemption, recovery, reformation, reconstruction, etc., are interchangeably used with this term. And so already familiar with fashion's seasonal revival and renewal and reconstruction, these words may occlude the responsibility instead of repair or redemption or restoration for future equitable fashion systems. So three years ago, when Lesiba and I founded AFRI, we hoped to create a restorative and generative space for the study of African fashion. And our collaboration was drawing on efforts to decolonize made over the last 30 years in South Africa. So since the end of apartheid in 1994, many of us have endeavored to improve representation, to generate and recover lost histories and to counter the ongoing erasure of African fashion from textbooks, from exhibitions, from high street shopping malls. But the ongoing violence of coloniality separated African and other indigenous culture, art, literature, science, and fashion from these spaces of power. And it's really only in the last few years, however, that we've begun to witness some change. Questions of what is fashion and who has fashion are challenging very complicit histories that colonialism, power, and fashion have had with the destructive definitions of race, class, culture, and gender. And so how and where do we begin to redeem, redress, and maybe regenerate? 
Decolonial thinker Rolando Vasquez writes a lot about listening. He urges us to widen our ways of listening, not just listening to consume, but listening to receive and to move towards being in relation to others. So my first concept towards decolonizing fashion is this deep listening. So when we listen, where do we listen from? And who do we mostly listen to? And who is almost always speaking or who is almost always not speaking? Who is almost always included? Or should we rather be asking who's almost always excluded? And who's mostly benefiting? Or should this rather be who's mostly harmed? So I'm going to try to turn these questions to the specific focus of the summit on fashion and consider the practice and concept of fashion that you bring with you into this room. In terms of your fashion habits or trends or even taste, who is speaking? In whose language is fashion spoken? And I'm very aware English is being spoken here in, in Berlin, which is part of a bigger picture. Um, whose languages of fashion do not get spoken or get reduced to something other than fashion? For example, costume or tradition or ritual or deviance, when it could easily be luxury or heritage or fashion protocol. So how are others othered through fashion? And how does the collective voice of fashion make other fashions unwelcome? So each of these questions points to the underlying power dynamics and exclusionary logic and cultural violence of the fashion system that has perpetuated a Eurocentric hierarchy of taste. By listening more widely, can we begin to decolonize fashion? Can we listen to fashion with alternative definitions or practices genealogies, even that values that come from elsewhere in the world or even just elsewhere in our neighborhood. And this elsewhere may not speak the same fashion language, which makes listening even more important. These elsewhere fashion languages from across diverse ability, racial, cultural and gendered terrains are demanding to be heard. And the affordances of the digital world have been key to this demand. Think of hashtags, think of new visibilities. So in 2020, we launched an online course and the course challenged the stereotypes problematically associated with fashion from Africa. The course also disrupted gatekeeping that would normally reproduce the violence of who has access to critical knowledges and to these spaces and who does not. So through the digital equal opportunities to speak and be heard was made possible with participants from the global north and the global south, previously separated by their geographies. And the digital collapses the privileges of access, affording opportunities for more diverse voices to be heard in relation to these other voices. So listening differently and widely is key to the challenge of regenerative transformation. And this brings me to the second set of concepts towards decolonizing fashion. When listening more closely, we notice our positionality, where we speak from and listen from. And in, in addition, it shifts an awareness of how we are implicated in the lives of others and of our relationality. 
So I'm staying with a focus on fashion here. And whether we're rendering a design or making a consumer choice, a neon pink T-shirt may benefit some individuals as a mode of expression or belonging, but it also impacts the lives of others. Through a simple T-shirt, we're interconnected in the world, from the retailers and their families to the manufacturers and their families, to shipping agents and ship stewards and their families, to farmers and cotton harvesters, to seed banks and petrochemical engineers, to bankers and influencers and their followers, and so on and so on. The T-shirt links us deeply in relation with others, whether it is fashion or food or architecture or homes or our societies. Each of us and each one of us is impacted by each other's choices. And largely, mostly, almost always, there is evidence that fashion, as as so much of colonialism, has produced what anthropologist Sandra Neeson calls fashion's sacrifice zones. These sacrifice zones echo the colonial difference in terms of whose positionality, whose worldview and value system or environment is supported and validated, and whose is literally trashed. We can think of clothing that lands up in the Chilean desert or plastic forks and chairs and refrigerators that end up in the Pacific Ocean. Our choices impact others. We're interconnected through our material lives. And do we care enough about others? And perhaps this underpins the ethos of the 2030 Summit, that the need for regeneration is a need to build relations again. The simple question of who made my clothes is the start of acknowledging our positionality as designers, wearers, and consumers, and one of the many, many, many relationships that material objects bring. We need different ways of knowing, being, and doing, writes intellectual um, Ashley Mbembe. We need social justice. We need healing. And this leads me to my third concept, the need for repair, repair in the broadest sense. Big questions of repair, such as in the wake of Kaida Atiyah's still present, with its unrelenting focus on the destruction brought about by colonialism, patriarchy and capitalism. Big acts of repair in relation to climate change and environmental catastrophe, but also small acts of repair, such as an apology or an embroidered patch, or a change in a museum wall text. Repair is essential for regeneration to be possible. Rolando Vasquez identifies the need for repair as the sensing of the wound. For Vasquez, it is through the consciousness of the wound that horizons of healing are unveiled. When we move from the quest of possession or ownership to forms of relation, he continues, we begin to heal the wound. We begin to move from what was dismembered to remembering, from loss to mourning and from extraction to cultivation. So healing is key for something to grow again. And just in my final example, I'll share a project created by Songano Kinjeria as part of her internship with AFRI. The Between Histories Archive is an Instagram-based social media archive that functions as an open access 
reference for South African popular culture. This archive was created to research, collect, curate and share pop culture histories post-1994. Between Histories demonstrates a deep listening into the absence of an archive. The record of popular culture, not only in South Africa, but elsewhere on the continent, has been rendered mute by the dominance of Western narrative. This project aims to speak from and speak for a local pop culture history in vernaculars that may differ from the canon of pop culture. The work is challenging. Repairing the wound of erasure requires seeking, unearthing, at times reinventing, and then again reinvesting into those traces from the past. And so in unexpected ways, the digital has made possible these lessons to imagine and redefine fashion from the global south. And regenerative transformation begins with efforts like these that pay attention towards making small changes to the erasures, to the hurt of colonial trauma, to widespread environmental damage, to cultural loss, and to the sacrifice zones. These efforts begin with listening, and then by bringing in relation new, more, and other voices and values into the fashion sphere, these efforts begin to repair and imagine future fashions, and we hope with positive impacts. And thank you for listening. I actually really need to thank you, Erica, for this speech, because one of my eye-openers was you talking about the Eurocentric hierarchy of taste. And this is something I wasn't aware of beforehand, that of course everyone in every culture, everyone's is, has a, a certain value system lying behind his evaluations. And since we are based in Europe, we have like a Eurocentric hierarchy of taste and uh, which we are applying to all the other cultures and we are like calling them exotic or like yeah i don't know inspiring and uh, but it's not it's it's a certain uh, value system which is not really like evaluating these um, aspects as high as ourselves yeah. so yeah this is this is something i was like okay i can personally really learn a lot in this area still What yeah, you, it's, it's something that always touches me because I, I, for so many years, I always wonder why is there still such a strong different perception of craft, textile, fashion craft coming from Italy or France, for example, than from Africa or India. Um, obviously, that's a lot of kind of um, influence also from colonial times. There was a time when in the, the finest fabrics in the world were made in Bangladesh. That was pre-colonial times. And now we have like the cheapest t-shirts in the world being produced in Bangladesh. So these kind of things, I think, is very important to look into and, and understand and be aware of yeah, hierarchies of taste also. So um, I, I also thought that was an extremely important point. And besides that, I really uh, enjoyed and, and, and well, enjoyed too, obviously, uh, also with some bad taste to it because of the urgency of, of the topics. But I really thought it was important how she pointed out that we can also um, support kind of these decolonization structures, uh, approaches by, by helping, um, looking into them and by also supporting 
uh, bringing kind of endangered cultures back to life and taking care of the cultural baseline of fashion, which is also in many ways textile craft, um, old um, fashion technologies that were used for like uh, kind of yeah, hundreds of years already. She said we should listen to those voices that have been excluded from the global fashion industry and culture. And this is, I think, one of the, I don't know, key sentences. We should more listen. Absolutely. And how much inspiration can come out of listening to those voices? I Absolutely. think that's really what we should do. Yeah, really cool. But, of course, we are heading on to our new session and uh, there is a new episode coming up. We are focusing in our new episode on another, like, uh, more or less cultural topic, uh, which is about queer and queering up fashion. And uh, we are very happy to welcome you to the next episode in two weeks. So, and of course, not to forget, please check out the show notes where we put in like the link to the afri.digital homepage where you can find out more about Erica's work and follow us on Instagram on 202030summit and of course on our website 202030summit.com. And we also just announced our upcoming conference in January, the 202030, the Berlin Fashion Summit will take place uh, in the mid of January and you can already buy your ticket and we would be super happy to welcome you personally in Berlin in January. So check it out. And yes, really go to afri.digital because they have a virtual tour through the Afri Fashion Research Institute and you can check it out in a really pleasant way from your home and get quite incredible input. Mm -hmm.